Hello and welcome to Just a Guy and his journey back to God. So today we're in the second day of Advent readings. And just to be candid and totally transparent, we're a day behind. Um, I started this one day late. Was supposed to start it on the 3rd. Started on the 4th. And uh, anyways, or maybe even the 5th. Anyways, I apologize for that. We'll get through as much as we can right on up to Christmas. So with that, let's go to God in prayer. Father, as we read today, I come before you just seeking your wisdom and your guidance. I'm seeking out your your insights. Your word is so powerful, and yet so often I don't understand it. And Father, I pray for today that as we read Isaiah and we read John, we have the right perspective. We gain a new vision an understanding of who you are. We're grateful for the way you love us, the way you think about us, that you died for us. And I just pray that we would understand what it means to live for you and in you, to rest in you, to succeed in you, to have faith of a mustard seed, and to do your will. So, Father, I pray today for you to open our hearts our minds, and our spirits. And may we love you with our whole beings so we can love our neighbors as ourselves. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So we're in Isaiah 6, and then we're going to be over in John chapter 12. And I love it when we go back and forth between the Old Testament and the New. It's pretty cool stuff um, because I love seeing how it all fits inside in there together so with all of that said let's go ahead and jump on into um the reading actually give me one second here as i get to (coughs) get to the reading all right isaiah 6 verse 1 in the year that king Isaiah died i saw the lord high and exalted seated on a throne and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above, above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. So this has always been a struggle for me. When the, the creatures and the beings in heaven are um, described, I often think of Cupid or something like that. I'm not thinking of the powerful, the mighty, the awe-inspiring, or as um, A.W. Tozer says, the awful, because they cause awe. But these seraphim are in the presence of God, so they must be pretty significant. They must be powerful. They must be more than Cupid or some fat little baby flying around with wings and being kind of a cartoonish character. And I've always thought about that. And But today, when, I was listen, when we were going through this, Isaiah was a pretty strong human. He was a pretty tough guy. And for him to be terrified really would indicate that something major and awe-inspiring was there. 
So anyways, let's go back to that. I've digressed. I apologize. Verse three, and they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord almighty. The whole world, the whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorpost and threshold shook and the temple was filled with smoke. Again, powerful. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. And I think about myself, I am a man of unclean lips, I swear way too much, and my thoughts are not clean. Verse 6, Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. He said, Go and tell this people, Be ever hearing, but never understanding. Be ever seeing, but never perceiving. Make the heart of this people calloused. Make their ears dull and close their eyes. Otherwise they may see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. So so often I feel like I've... That's one of the things that I feel like I've taken from God at times where I feel like I'm just dull. That my eyes are closed, my ears are closed, and I just don't understand things. And I wonder if I got included in that sometimes. So when we think of, um, when we look at this, when we look at the scripture, A.W. Tozer has some pretty uh, interesting input. He has a lot of input, and most most of the time on this part of it, he's talking very much about how the world and believers really need to change. So uh, let's look at what he says about Isaiah 6, chapter 5, verse 5 where it says, Woe woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Tozer writes, We come into the presence of God with tainted souls. We come with our own concept of morality, having learned it from books, from the newspaper, and from school. We come to God dirty. Our whitest white is dirty. Our churches are dirty, and our thoughts are dirty. And do nothing about it. <clears throat> Which is really true. I know so many people, I'm myself included, I swear. I am not living a pure life. Now, I feel like I am trying to do something about it, but it doesn't mean I'm successful. But I know plenty of people who continue looking at porn. I know continu- plenty of people who continue to do things that are dishonest in business. And yet they continue to th- say, I've come to God. I'm not judging them. I'm just saying this is so interesting to me because Tozer's pointing out and do nothing about it. If we came to God dirty but trembling and shocked and awestruck in his presence, if we knelt at his feet and cried with Isaiah, I am undone because I am a man of unclean lips, then I could understand. But we skip into his awful presence. We're dirty, but we have a look of we have a book called Seven Steps to Salvation. That gives us seven verses to get us out of our problems. And each year we have more Christians, more people going to church, more church buildings, more money, 
and less spirituality and less holiness. We're forgetting holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. I tell you this, I want to be what God is, the impeccably holy, unapproachable holy thing, the holy, the all holy one. I want him to be and remain the holy. I want his heaven to be holy and his throne to be holy. I don't want him to change or modify his requirements, even if it shuts me out. I want something holy left in the universe. Pretty intense, right? Even if he doesn't succeed and he's left out, he still wants God to be who he is. He doesn't want any change, but he wants to strive to be what God wants him to do. All right, so let's go keep moving. So we're going to be in John chapter 12, verses 33 through 45. I'm sorry, 34 through 45. And this is with Jesus is in the crowd. He says, or it says, the crowd spoke up. We have heard from the law that the Messiah will remain forever. So how can you say the son of man must be lifted up? Who is this son of man? Then Jesus told them, you are going to have the light just a little while longer. Walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. Whoever walks in the dark does not know where they are going. Believe in the light while you have the light so that you may become children of light. When he had finished speaking, Jesus left and hid, him, hid himself from them. <clears throat> Even after Jesus had performed so many signs in their presence, they still would not believe in him. This was to fulfill the word of Isaiah the prophet. Lord, who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For this reason they could not believe, because, as Isaiah says elsewhere, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts. So they can neither see with their eyes, nor understand with their hearts, nor turn, and I would heal them. Isaiah said to this, said this because he saw Jesus' glory and spoke about him. He saw Jesus, he saw the glory of God when he was in heaven. Yet at the same time, many even among the leaders believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they would not openly acknowledge their faith for fear they would be put out of the synagogue. For they loved human praise more than praise from God. So it's interesting there. I mean, it gets back to what Tozer's talking about. Even back then, the Jews were more concerned about the seven steps to salvation versus anything else. They knew that Jesus was the way, but they didn't want to do the things that they should. I know that there's things I need to do. And do I take them? Do I do them? Do I follow through on them? So often I don't. And it's at this time of the year when I need to change my heart. Or I can't change my heart. God needs. I need to be open and submitted to his will. So with that, let's go back to God in prayer. Father, I just pray that you would be the one talking to us. I just pray that your message would be what we hear. Thank you for your word. Thank you for Isaiah. Thank you for Tozer and Spurgeon, all the great leaders. So many men who loved you and lived for you and are now examples for us. I just pray that we would be able to understand that I would be able to understand what it means to be your child, to be your son, to live a an abundant life, a joyful life, a faithful life. 
And as Tozer says, I don't want anything. I would, I need the passion to live wholly for you. That I would be completely yours and want and desire nothing to change in you, regardless of whatever outcome it meant for me. So, Father, I just pray and lift up this time. I pray that as we come into the Christmas season, that our hearts and our minds would be focused correctly. I pray that our families would be focused on you. I pray you keep them safe. I pray for our nation, Lord, that that we would understand what it means to be your children and a nation under God, indivisible. Lord God, be with us, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining me at Just a Guy and His Journey Back to God. I hope you have a great day.